everyone, welcome to the Paw Awareness Podcast, and thanks for joining me. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and also check us out at pawawareness.org and on Instagram at pawawareness underscore official. On Instagram, we are doing submissions for Pet of the Week, where you can submit your foster pet, and we'll pick one winner every month, and we'll give $200 to their choice of charity or foster. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today I have Stacy LeBaron with the Community Cats podcast. And a little bit about Stacy before we get into it is she has over 20 years experience working with community cats in Massachusetts. Uh, she's been president of the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society for 16 years. And since 2011, she has ran the MRFRS mentoring program assisting over 80 organizations with trap and neuter return, which we know is a huge issue in the community and uh, getting funding and support for these programs. So Stacy, thank you so much. I'm really glad to have you on. Oh yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so go ahead and kind of talk about, just for new listeners here, what exactly is the Community Cat Podcast and how did that come to be? Sure, yeah, so um, I started the Community Cats Podcast back in 2016. Um, and obviously folks are listening to this podcast, so they would know what a podcast is. It's funny, if I go to an animal welfare conference, people will come up to our table and go, podcast, what's a podcast? And then if I go to a podcaster's conference, they'll be like, community cat, what, what's a community cat? What's trap new to return? I don't know what that is. So it's really funny when we like wear our different hats and the different spheres. But yeah, I started the community cats podcast. I had sort of retired from the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. I moved from Massachusetts to Vermont back in uh, 2013. And uh, our mentoring program had wrapped up with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. And I had 400 groups waiting on my waiting list to be mentored. So there were a lot of groups all across the United States that needed help and I didn't want them to be empty handed. And I also had all this great experience and I knew great people who had great stories. I'd have these fantastic phone calls with people and I'd be like, oh, I wish I recorded that and I could share that with others. And so that's basically what I did. In the backseat of my car one day, my son who was 12 at that time was learning to play the electric guitar. He said, mom, you know, it'd be so easy to set up a podcast. I'll do it all for you. I'll get you the software, I'll get you the mic you need. I do all that stuff. So my 12-year-old son at that time, he set me up with all the software, everything that I needed. I partnered up with a friend of mine from uh, the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society who was into all this techie stuff. And we started, we didn't really know where we were going, but we ended up, you know, we're 380 episodes later. And that's so motivating too, just uh, from, you know, just being early on in this journey of mine, just to see how uh, many, you know, many episodes you guys have. And before the call, I know that you were saying that you had at one point in time, five episodes per week. Is that right? Yeah, we started out um, not really sure what we were thinking about. I actually, I modeled the show after Entrepreneurs on Fire with John Lee Dumas. And so I sort of took a lot of what I did his uh, free podcasting course and sort of took a lot of the things that he did. And I felt like, well, if he could do it. Uh, uh, basically a daily podcast. Ah, I could do that too. It's easy peasy, no big deal. 
And so I started out with a five day a week and then we went to a three day a week and then we're down to a one day a week now. And at that point in time, that's all I was doing was really writing my weekly blog. I have a weekly blog that comes out in a newsletter um, on Thursdays and we have the podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and we haven't missed a week for any of those yet. And, and hopefully we never will. And it's always our goal is once we have the streak going, we can't stop it, you know? So anyway, uh, so I do have the blog post too, but so that was our main focus. And then in January of 2018, I launched the online cat conference, which is a two day online virtual experience where it's basically, we're all together learning things, typical conferency like stuff, but it's all done virtually. So we launched that and we started the online kitten conference. I just had Feline Leukemia Day. We do a lot of webinars with regards to Trap Dude Return in partnership with Neighborhood Cats. And I've also got a partnership with the United Spay Alliance to focus on spay neuter advocacy all around the country. So I'm, I've expanded into some other areas. The podcast is still the critical bedrock of this organization, but um, we have expanded out. We also have a grant program, Community Cats Grants, and we help um, small nonprofits raise money to help support their spay neuter programs. Wow. And I guess it sounds like you guys are always growing, always looking for new partnerships. Like how do you decide like where to pursue next? Because there's so many issues going on in the, in the cat community. No, that's right. There's a good, that's, a, there are lots of rabbit holes, as they say. So we don't want to run down them all. Um, and you do have to identify with what your priorities are. Um, so what means the most to you? What turns your passion for cats into action, which is one of our taglines. And, you know, for me, my passion has always revolved around uh, affordable spay neuter services for everyone in the community for cats. Um, cats tend to be pets, pets of the poor. Um, as your income level goes down, the number of cats you have go up. As your income level goes down, the number of dogs you have goes down. So there's a different type of relationship between dog owners and cat owners. And what I want to make sure is that folks that do have a lot of cats that may not have a lot of resources have access to veterinary services, spay, neuter, and other support for those cats. And they're not forced to surrender them or they have an overpopulation situation that they can't take care of. Um, and so that's always been one of my bedrock, you know, key points that I want to get out there to the community is that it's really important to help provide those resources. And so I focus on that. So whatever I'm doing is helping ensuring that cats in the community are going to have access to that care and the families that care about those cats have access to that care. So that, that's my determinant. But other people may have other things. I mean, there are organizations out there that just focus on bottle baby kittens and, and that's their focus. And that's wonderful. And that's great. That's called being in a niche or niche. And so you, you choose that area of your platform, but you just stay true to it and you stay focused on it. And then folks will be with along with you for the ride. Yeah. And I think that's a great point is just sticking to something and then just getting really good at that. I think that's great. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that myself. Now, my next question for you is when it comes to, I know that spay and neuter is such a huge issue in the cat community. So let's say someone's listening to this and they're, and they're thinking, okay, well, I have this, you know, these cats that come to my door and, you know, they just keep growing and growing. I feel like we've all seen that maybe sometime. What would you recommend for them to do? Should they set out some cat traps or is that the way to do it or, and then take them in somewhere or how do, how should we do handle that? 
Yeah, there are actually quite a few organizations that have some really nice little flow charts and checklists. So, you know, what do I do if I see a stray cat in my backyard? What do I do if I see 10 stray cats in my backyard? And how to identify those cats really as stray cats? Um, if you have one friendly cat in your backyard that's passing through that happens to be 14 pounds and looks really good and, you know, well cared for and all that kind of stuff, I'm not going to worry about that cat too much. Um, but if you have, you know, thin cats, sickly looking cats, cats that look like they're suffering, you know, then I'm going to advocate your actions in a different way. If you have cats out there that have what's called an ear tip, a left ear tip, if you're on the west coast it might be a right ear tip sometimes they do the right ear in the west coast for some reason but on the east coast it's usually the left ear tip it's a flat snip on the ear of the cat um, that means that cat's already been spayed or neutered and has at least received one rabies vaccination um, so you can pretty well if the cat looks well cared for and well fed probably somebody in the community is already caring for that cat and you don't have to really worry about it um, if the cats are spending a significant amount of time in your backyard, if they're not spayed and neutered, if they're fighting and you do start feeding them and if you've broken down and, and started to feed the cats and, and started to sort of zone them to your backyard, um, then you would need to reach out to um, your local organizations about accessing some traps and looking at getting uh, spay-neuter assistance for them. So depending on your community, you can always go to United Spay Alliance and go to each individual state that you're in and find uh, available spay-neuter resources there for the cats. And um, there's two websites. There's neighborhoodcats.org and alleycat.org, which is the website of Alley Cat Allies. They're great resources for helping you make a determination as to should I get involved or should I not get involved and you know making that choice and so you know obviously if the cat's in distress then you have to get involved but then there's this gray area where you have to choose if a cat's really friendly some people put paper collars on the cats and say you know call me to tell me you I'm owned <laughs> you know or something <laughs> like that and so um, and obviously if you have relationships with your neighbors you know ask your neighbors I know in this day and age we tend to be more friendly with Facebook than we are with our neighbors but um, it really is good if you can reach out to your neighbors and see if they know anything about the cats too yeah and I think that's such a great point too like utilizing all of the means of social media these days to if you do see a cat that isn't bare bones skinny or what have you, especially at least where I'm at, like the next door app, there's those, like there's lost Facebook pages and all of that. Now, I guess for when it comes to the community cat podcast, how have you seen that since the start of really uh, COVID? How has that landscape changed what you guys are doing, your mission? Has it even, or what, like, what's that been looking like? Well, for my personal business, it's grown tremendously because everybody who used to go to conferences and stuff now will go to a virtual event. And I had run some uh, pop-up panels right when COVID hit. So I did some special panels when so many veterinary and spay-neuter practices had to close down when everything was on lockdown. And so everybody was very nervous about missing out on spaying and neutering opportunities for community cats and the fact that then are we gonna have a tidal wave of kittens and all that kind of stuff. So we had a lot to talk about and a lot of anxiety and worry. Still, many clinics aren't back up to capacity yet for spaying and neutering. Many organizations are booking out their clients till November or December. Um, and it's just because they had such a large backlog and they haven't been able to get built back up to capacity. So in the animal welfare space, there's still a lot of challenges 
and they're rethinking how they're working on things. You know, municipalities are now struggling because they're funding issues. So, you know, municipal shelters are being told that they may have to cut their budgets by 20 or 30 percent, where there's this worry about the spike of the number of kittens and puppies being born out there. But it's just a lot of rethinking about how we're doing things and and how we can do things maybe a little bit more efficiently and also utilize the leverage of the uh, hashtag stay at home and foster campaign. Many people may have seen that when COVID first hit and a lot of animal welfare organizations put out the plea for foster homes. And, you know, if you're going to be working from home, you might as well foster a pet, you know, and so the shelters actually really emptied out. And so, so many people were fostering and now it's becoming a model and saying, well, even though maybe we go back to normal, but maybe we don't go back to having full shelters with a hundred of animals, maybe we still utilize those foster homes. So fostering has become the new mainstay where the physical animal shelter may be only the emergency way station. Yeah, and I think it's always important for new fosters to enter the market too, because it's great when people foster, but then they'll get stuck with that animal, which is great, but then it kind of takes them out of commission. So if you are listening and you do, you know, you are interested about fostering, definitely look into your local area for sure, because they're always, it seems like that's a common theme, always need more fostering available. Now, I want to backtrack really quick too. You did mention, you mentioned like a conference or online class or something along those lines. How does someone, if they want to learn more, how, how, do, where, how do they access that class? Yeah, sure. Well, so the communitycatspodcast.com is our website. Um, so we have everything there. We always have all of our activities there. We have a fundraising day that's coming up in October. And we have just started a training, a trapper training certification program for folks that want to learn how to trap community cats. And that's going to be a monthly training where people watch a participate in a webinar and then they even get a quiz at the end and they have to, then they get their certificate and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of fun. And so, and it's funny because we have folks from all around the world who take this class. I mean, I just had someone from Mexico sign up. We've had someone from Greece. We've had someone from Israel, Egypt that we, so it's, we're turning the community cat conversation into a global conversation and we're meeting folks from all around the world, Australia. So it's really nice. It's, it's, it's fun to see this happening as a unifying force all around the world, not just being in the United States. So that is fun. But communitycatspodcast.com, our website is really the best place to start. We're also on Facebook and at and on Instagram at Community Cats Podcast. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn as Stacy LeBaron. And also uh, we are on Twitter at Community Cats P1. And all of those links will be in the description below. Even the ones uh, mentioned earlier as well, they will all be, whatever medium you're listening on uh, will be in the description below. Now, um, I kind of want to end, and this seems to be a common question I love asking um, my guests is, is, you know, from your perspective, what do you see as the number one issue, you know, in your case, the cat community today, what do you see as the number one issue and how would you see us going about tackling that? Great question. That's a really great. It's a big one. (laughs) And and I always, when I have my show, I say, you know, if I could give you a magic wand and an unlimited (laughs) budget, you know, what would your world look like 10 years down the road? You know, exactly. Now it's your turn to answer it. (laughs) Yeah. No. Well, so for me, you know, I certainly think that affordable veterinary care is a big challenge. And if that 
problem can get resolved and every cat in need can get access to that veterinary care, that would be my, my magical solution. I think we have a shortage of veterinarians, especially veterinarians interested in working for nonprofits and working for high volume spay neuter clinics. So not only is it a funding issue, but it's also a resource issue with regards to veterinarians. So I think our shelter medicine programs and somehow our recruiting practices need to kind of up the ante for veterinarians as well as veterinary technicians. I mean, it's a really stressful job. It's, they have one of the mm -hmm. highest rates of suicide, unfortunately. And that. so there's a lot of challenges there and we're just not giving them the support that they need. And so somehow we've we got to bump it up to a higher level for them and we've got to recruit more of them. And then also, you know, funding is always an issue, but that's just, that's a chronic issue. Exactly. I mean, that makes perfect sense. It's like a systemic issue, even rooting down to the way veterinarians are recruited. So hopefully awareness like this, like, you know, some Movers and shakers can hear this and, you know, one person can make a change. I always say that I truly believe it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, so that's pretty much it, Stacy. Anything else you want to add? All right. I just want to thank you. I want to thank you and congratulate you on your new show. I think this is great. So it's welcome to the podcasting family. And, uh, and I think it's fantastic. And thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Definitely look for you and all of you other veteran podcasters out there for inspiration. It keeps me going. So I learned so much talking to you. Thank you so much. And uh, definitely look forward to talking again.